Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it, episode 121. Let's get it popping. Here we go again. Bad Boy South. Get on Field USA. Block Entertainment. You know, I go by the name Nitty, right? Uh Uh-huh. I got to introduce y'all. I'm never going to have my squad, right? Go by the name of Jock. Young Jock. He resides in College Park, right? But for right now, what we got to do for y'all, what we going to do? We got to give y'all a hit. Damn the every day. Hey. Ask a million questions like Jock, where you stay? Hey. Tell them college ball, where the chop call. Yeah. Eat 20 grand, spend a grand at the bar. Uh, Just about his own. Jay's on my feet. I'm on that patron. I, so get like I, me. I, 69 cutlass yeah. with the bucket seats. Beat uh-huh. in my trunk, ballin' just for the freaks. Yeah. Catch me in the hood, yeah. posted at the store. Jiggle in my lap on the phone, count dough. Yeah. If your girl choose, let her do a thing. What it is, everybody. Welcome back. Episode 121 for the love of the game. And I am fired up. Tonight is going to be an awesome, awesome episode. A jam-packed episode. A lot of fun stuff. We've got two interviews coming up that are going to be really, really fun. Good times all around. So it's going to be a quick monologue tonight. A little bit of a lull in the sports calendar. I mean, football's coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about the New York Jets and previewing their season tonight with a recurring guest. I don't do preseason football. I don't watch preseason football. I don't care about preseason football. Doesn't excite me. I don't think you learn a heck of a lot. But NFL season's around the corner, so we're going to have to start talking about it. Got to start uh, preparing for all things football season, getting uh, the over-unders in, a little fantasy football season coming up. That uh, we'll be talking about that next week. So that's around the corner, which means summer's coming to a close. For me, that's sad. I have this great tan going right now. I want to maintain it. So the fact that summer ends is bittersweet for me. But for everybody else who really loves football season, good for you. But whatever. I'd rather it be nice out and be summertime. But anyway, what's been awesome in the summer, besides for just, you know, vibes and, and people being generally happier when it's warm out, is... New York Knicks Summer League Basketball. And I know we've seen it before. Summer League, you take it with a grain of salt. However, this feels different. It really seems like the New York Knicks draft class this season that they drafted, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, and Jericho Sims, those guys have potential to be players. I mean, real players. I mentioned the last episode. I don't know how many minutes Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride are going to get this season. But but damn it, they are going to push the other guys for minutes. Let's start with Deuce McBride for a second, right? A second-round pick. I have no idea how he fell, but he looks like an absolute menace, an absolute menace as a defender. Already, you can tell that that guy can play defense and play defense in the NBA, guarding opposing teams, point guards, and wings. That guy knows how to play defense. And his offensive game, I mean, his shot off the bounce looks smooth. And then there's Quentin Grimes. Started off a little slow in summer league, but the shot looks nice. He shoots it well off the bounce. He shoots it well off the catch. He's got a little wiggle to him, all right? There's a little Allen Houston vibes. I'm not saying he's quite that. I mean, Allen Houston was a top you know, player out of coming out of Tennessee was like a 
top pick in the draft. But Quentin Grimes, maybe that guy. And he's a little bit older. He spent some time in college, transferred to Houston later on. I mean, he's a little bit more seasoned. And then not just from them, Jericho Sims can jump out of the gym. Looks like he can be an energy big that can give you 10 to 15 minutes a night. And then that doesn't even include the second year guys quickly showed that he's, that he's a player. I mean, he absolutely dominated the summer league, had a rough last game, but whatever, who cares? Obi Toppin showed moments. I mean, this Knicks off season has been great. These kids look like they're going to be players. And if the Knicks wanted to throw the kitchen sink in a trade for a superstar, the cupboard won't be barren because they are exceedingly deep with quality players. This Knicks front office is as plugged in and as smart and as well-prepared and any Knicks front office that I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay. My entire life. This is the best front office they've ever had since I've been a fan of the team. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now I know None of these guys may be stars immediately, but we are in such incredibly good position because we have really good young players. I mean, think about the young guys who are under the ages of 24 that are good and promising. Mitch, all right, Mitch Robinson, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin has showed flashes. Manuel Quickly, first team all rookie, right? We got Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims, and Quentin Grimes. It's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. It was announced today the Knicks are playing on Christmas Day. They're going to kick off Christmas Day against the Atlanta Hawks. Love it. Love to see it. I am so excited for this Knicks season. And I don't care if they don't finish top four in the East like they did last year. Things are looking up. There is more optimism in Knicks land right now than there's been in the last 20 years. This is good. These are good things, Knicks fans. Things are looking up fantastic. Love Deuce McBride. Love Quentin Grimes. Let's get it rolling, Knicks fans. Let's go. So we're in the thick of baseball season right now. The Mets, well, they're a sinking ship. They've been pretty bad the last two months, and they are so bad that they now have fallen out of first place in the NL East. And with their road trip against the Dodgers and the Giants, arguably the two best teams in baseball, they may not be coming back from that. It may be curtains for the New York Mets. Now, again, Francisco Lindor's out. He's had a bad year, but there's an energy when he's in the lineup. And, and, and he's still, based on reputation alone, has to be considered, you know, has to be accounted for. And Jacob DeGrom's been out, best pitcher in the league. That matters. That matters. But everybody else on the team, just incredibly disappointing. Incredibly disappointing. A lineup with that level talent, with Alonzo, McNeil, Conforto, Dom Smith, these guys, Javi Baez, I know he's been out a little bit, but like it shouldn't be this bad. They shouldn't have this hard of a time scoring runs. It's not the bullpen. The bullpen has been okay for the Mets. Yeah, you have a couple blown saves here and there, but that happens. It's not the bullpen. So they can't score. You can't score. I mean, that's that's really it. You can't expect to win games two to one constantly. It's tough. It's tough. The pitching has been okay. Stroman's come back down to earth 
a, a little bit. Taiwan Walker, same thing, but they just wasted a great start from him against the Dodgers. The Mets can't hit. And in the next two weeks, their season may be a wrap if it's not a wrap already. On the other hand, there's the other New York baseball team. That's the New York Yankees that were 10 back of the Boston Red Sox about two months ago. In about three weeks, they've passed the Boston Red Sox. They had a huge win last night, which I was at the game. Garrett Cole off the COVID list, pitched great. I thought they should have let him finish that one batter in the sixth inning. They didn't. Fine. They get the win two to one. Nail biters on nail biters on nail biters. And then they sweep the doubleheader today. Seven inning doubleheaders. Sweep them. Sayonara, Boston. The Yankees would be in the playoffs as the playoffs started today in unbelievable turn of events. And this is a team that has had more guys with injuries and missed games due to COVID and had more soul-crushing losses, the latest being the Field of Dreams game, which, by the way, awesome by, job by Major League Baseball. You got to do that more regularly. But, yeah, this Yankee team, for as much crap as we've given the team and given the manager specifically, you got to give them credit here because – Anytime they get punched in the mouth, when you think they have a glass jaw and they're never going to get back up, they get back up. And they're winning a lot of close games right now, which makes me a little nervous. Makes me a little nervous because close games, traditionally, you know, it's a coin flip. You can't bank on winning tons of close games, but they've done it so far. And if they, sw and if they take one tomorrow against the Red Sox, that's beautiful. They had lost so many straight against the Red Sox. I think it was nine straight. Bill Simmons on his podcast, could the Red Sox go 18-0 against the Yankees? Well, fuck you, Bill Simmons. No, they can't. The Red Sox are coming back down to earth, and they're not going to make the playoffs. Go choke on that one, on a fat one, you idiot. Shut up. Love what I'm seeing from the Yankees. Can't wait for Anthony Rizzo to get back. He, he's been a revelation for the Yankees. I know he's going to have to get back in the swing of things after he missed some time due to COVID, but... Things are good in Yankee land. Things are really good in Yankee land, and I'm excited. I'm excited for the Yankees. They, they, they wrote me back in. We're here now. We're here. That means they'll probably lose tomorrow because I said that, but I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the ride, and that's, that's where we're at right now. So, yeah, quick monologue, a little thoughts to get off my chest as we bring in a recurring guest to talk a little bit of Jets football in just a matter of moments. So it's that time of year. Football season's right around the corner. We are in the mid to end of August, so you got to start talking about NFL. I'm personally a Giants fan, as you all know, but there's another team that plays in the metropolitan area, and that is the New York Jets. So I am lucky to have on a recurring guest now for his second stint. I gave him a little bit more of a heads up this time, so he's super prepared. Mr. Harris Marks to talk a little Jets. Harris, what's good, brother? Hey, Darren. Nice. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's that time of year. So first of all, not everybody can see, but I love the Knicks t-shirt. I, uh, I personally hated when they used to wear those orange jerseys. Cause I don't think they ever won a game in those orange jerseys when they had them, but, uh, it's good to rep in your squad because, uh, Deuce McBride looks like he's going to be the best point guard in the league in about, you know, five years. So it's all good. Well, I knew I was coming on your pod, so I wanted to dress to impress. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So Jets Nation, right? 
What's the pulse of the average Jet fan? What's the level of excitement that Jets fans have right now? We got a new regime, new quarterback. Uh, I mean, Joe Douglas is a little bit of a holdover from the previous regime, but what, what? where's Jets Nation at right now? I think we're excited. We're optimistic. We are in this honeymoon phase where we have, like you said, we have the new head coach. We have the rookie stud number two overall pick QB. There's new culture in place. There's only optimism around, uh, and it's, it's great to see. So first impressions of Robert Sala, right, as a coach of the Robert Sala regime. What, what have you been hearing about, about the Jets, how they've looked in practice, how things are running? Like, I, you know, the Jets under Adam Gase were an absolute circus. It was a shit show. What, what's your take about this regime now? I mean, it's got to be a stark contrast from the last regime because it couldn't get any worse. But are we hearing that, like, you know, there, there's competency here? Like, what's your sense? Well, you hit, then again, hit the nail on the head. The best part about the new Robert Sala regime is that he's not Adam Gase. Uh, that guy was awful and um, shouldn't be coaching in the NFL ever again. Um, but as on to Robert Sala. You know, everyone says he's a player's coach. He's inspirational. He keeps things even keeled. He's pretty much the exact opposite of Joe Judge, which is why I'm glad to have him. Uh, Joe Judge is your classic Belichick disciple, screaming, yelling, demands this fear culture. And Sal is the exact opposite. I don't know. The Giants played hard for Joe Judge, so I'm not upset about Joe Judge, but like, so what, but, you know, Robert Sala can be a great guy. I mean, that was, you know, he was high on top of everybody's list, but like, is it because, and maybe it's hard to say now because it's his first off season going into his first year that he's just not Adam Gase, but you'd like to think he would be, you know, a little bit more than he's just not Adam Gase. Is that the vibe everybody's getting? No, there's a lot more to him. And I just, one more point on Joe Judge. Uh, just tell me, just remind me all of the Bill Belichick disciples that have been successful in the NFL. I just, I'm just not sure how many have been. So uh, tell me, let me know. It hasn't been great, but in fairness to him, the Giants punched above their weight last year. They, they, they definitely did, even in a bad division. But anyway, whatever. this back. isn't about the Giants. We're going to get to them in a later show. This is about the Jets. Talk to me back. about the Jets. Back to Robert Sala. You know, they say, I, I'll give you a perfect example of something I've heard out of camp. You know, they're doing these, uh, you know, in, in camp, they're running, the, they're implementing a brand new defensive scheme, a brand new offensive scheme. They brought in, they brought in Mike LaFleur, who's from San Francisco, who's young, uh, his older brother is the head coach of the Packers. And he's bringing this Kyle Shanahan, which is originally a Mike Shanahan West Coast offense to the Jets. Now, they also say in, the, in these practices that uh, Salah has, um, he's doing these things where it's uh, one day it's full pads and then um, and, and hard hitting, um, like full practices. And then the next day, uh, after every single one of those days, it's a, a walkthrough. It's a, a keep the guys happy. Don't, you know, and as a result of that, uh, apparently uh, what they're saying is they're seeing less fights in camp. Now, I expect that once we start doing these joint practices where I know the Jets are playing are with the Packers this week, uh, that the fights will start and fights do bring along team camaraderie. Um, but these are the type of things that make uh, a team um, be inspired by their coach. And, you know, that's that's what he's looking now. Obviously, Sal is a defensive minded coach. And I think that 
um, the first thing that he's brought to the Jets as far as the defense is the front seven. Um, it's going to be the strength of the defense. The Jets added Carl Lawson in the offseason. Um, they're bringing back, um, and Quinn and Williams is coming off his rookie season, uh, or, or second year? No, second year. Second rookie year. season, right? Second, it's his second uh, year now. No, rookie, rookie season, year. yeah. It'll be in the season second last year, year. Because Becton was, was the second year guy. Right. And, um, well, Becton last year was the second. Last right. year was a rookie year. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we got the Jets and their linebackers. They had C.J. Mosley, who's, who's coming off the COVID year, and Jared Davis. And they have all these other um, pass-rushing guys, which is going to be a strength for this team and has always been a strength for uh, a Robert Salad defense. Has this been the most optimistic that Jets Nation has been in the last decade? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. You know, it, it, a lot of it really does ride on um, Zach Wilson. And, you know, it looks like Joe Douglas, like you said, is in year three of, of his re- regime, but it's only a second draft. And what he's done to his, is made uh, set up Zach Wilson to succeed. So he's, he's got the, he's been drafting offensive linemen. You know, I think the Jets front, the Jets offensive line is going to be one of their strongest points of this year. You know, they have obviously Beckton. They added uh, Vera Tucker this offseason. Uh, they signed Moses Morgan. Um, yeah, everybody and- likes, by the way, Vera Tucker, everybody loved when they made that pick and they traded for him. Yeah. And, you know, they, and they added uh, the types of uh, pieces that uh, Darnold never had. And, and, you know, the, everyone knows that the key to all of uh, the quarterbacks in, in the NFL is capitalizing on those rookie deals. And uh, if with the pieces in place, uh, it looks like, you know, Zach Wilson's going to have every opportunity to do that. So let's let, I mean, obviously we got to start there. So Zach Wilson gets drafted second overall in a very, what looks to be again, it's hard to take a lot of stock into what's going on in preseason, but people seem to love this quarterback class, right? So he's taken second overall. He has a little bit of a turbulent start. He gets to camp a little bit late in terms of a contract thing, I, I believe. He then has that famous, you know, inter-squad scrimmage where it was apparently a, a, an unmitigated disaster. But he, he, he showed a couple of flashes in the first preseason game. So where are you at with Zach Wilson? Were you happy they made that selection when they drafted him? Uh, are you, are you, you hearing good vibes? Do you feel good vibes? I mean, where are you at right now? Uh, I'm optimistic about Zach Wilson. Uh, I don't think anybody puts really any stock into preseason games. Um, and it, uh, I don't think saying that he had uh, somewhat of a turbulent start is really fair. Uh, you have a young quarterback who, by all intents and purposes, is a film rat. This is not some prima donna. This is a guy who they're saying is in, in the film room at 6 a.m., is leaving 9 p.m. every single day. Um, the contract situation, every player has contract situations. He wasn't holding it's the out. Business it's of the business of the sport. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And as far as that scrimmage that you're referring to, you're talking about the green and white game. Um, with that, um, all what, what they're saying out of camp was that the defense was already installed and that um, they had been doing their repetitions and that the offense had just been finished and in being installed uh, at when that green and white game came. So uh, it was, th- this was all new offense that was happening while the defense was already set. Um, as far as the, the first preseason game against the Giants, which, again, who cares about the preseason, but the Jets did win. Um, the, <laughs> Zach Wilson went six for nine, 
63 yards. He was efficient. I'll tell you, you know, I don't know another rookie quarterback that went six for nine in his first preseason game. I'll, I'll give you one guess. He was drafted a pick higher than him. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Good work. Um, you know, when, once you're you're uh, your rookie quarterback and you the, you have the offense installed, which has now been completely installed, you no longer are thinking about where how the offense is being installed, and you're more thinking about um, getting comfortable in that offense. You know, checking down your, to your reads. Um, in, um, you know, not thinking about what what to do is and 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 eventually that's what we hope will click. Yeah, it hasn't clicked yet. But, you know, we're, we're really young in a, a young quarterback's career and the potential really excites me. On top of that, they, they have the Jets set him up with this wide receivers in this um, West Coast style offense. So, you know, the, they say that for a West Coast offense, uh, what you need is our wide receivers that are great route runners and are yards after catch guys. And that's exactly what the Jets got set up with. And their, their wide receiver core, which is probably one of the deepest parts of their team, um, is, is set up for that. Well, we'll get to the to the um, the weapons in a second. It's funny you say that about the West Coast offense. So it's just like, but not in any other style offense. You don't need deep route run, you know, good route runners. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I just think it's fun. It's like you always need wide receivers who can run good routes because that's how they get open. I mean, very few guys are just jumping over dudes or just, ch- you know, getting, you know, jump balls. I mean, even Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, they were great route runners. Well, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of coaches in this league stress the guys who can stretch the field, who are just speed guys, and uh, that's not in the West Coast offense. So. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I don't know. I just think it's it's a little over overblown in general. But anyway, I, I wanted to ask you about the. Um, but before that, you're you're in a great space as a fan, right? Because right now, the expectations are a little low. You're not expecting to make a huge leap week one. I mean, year one in this regime, but it's nice to feel confident about a young quarterback, especially for the Jets. If you go through their history, it's not like it's littered with good quarterback play. So this is like a major sweet spot. Now, will you know people turn on Zach Wilson by week six? Maybe. I mean, this is the New York Jets. This is the back page of the post, but it, it must be nice to be in this spot as a fan where it's just like, it's almost like the wins and loss record doesn't even matter. It's just like, what are we seeing? Do we see confidence? Do we see flashes? And then the other stuff will come. And I should mention another way that they're the Jets um, front office is setting up uh, Zach Wilson to succeed is the Jets plan on being a run first team. Um, Their offensive line is far superior at rush, rush blocking than uh, pass blocking. Um, they're setting um, up with they have their four running backs, really. Um, and they, they drafted this kid out of North Carolina, Carter, who, who looks great. Um, but they have four running backs that are going to be inter, almost interchangeable, although I expect Carter, Johnson, and Coleman will get the bulk of the running. And, uh, you know, it, that uh, a running game opens up the passing game. So what other – so we talked about the weapons a little bit. What are their – storylines from the position guys are out there, right? We talked about the offensive line. Becton is, uh, it should hopefully be a, you know, fixture there, right? We have Verrett Tucker, who hopefully is going to be a fixture there. I mean, a, a lot of noise is made about Elijah Moore, right? Who was the second round wide receiver who maybe had first round grade. And we, and over the years, second round wide receivers 
have have way outperformed, you know, their draft status or their draft standing. So what else excites the Jet fan besides for just, you know, Zach Wilson, the rookie QB? Because, I mean, we know he's going to be the headliner, but what else is what else is going on? Right. Well, um, we'll get to Elijah Moore in a second, but we uh, yeah. So we already talked about the offensive line. That's excites us. We've talked about the Jets front seven. That excites us. Um, you know, I, I would say that, um, uh, yeah, I, I would say that, I'll, 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 well, let's get, just get to Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore has been the talk of camp. And I, I wanted to, oh, I went, what I meant to say is that uh, Jets second round wide receivers have been terrible. Um, you know, they haven't had a good, they haven't had a good history. They haven't. So what was his name uh, we'll out of Georgia tech? What was his name that like, uh, he was so hyped that he was terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's invading me, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But anyway, and last year's pick, Denzel Mims, the jury's still out on him. He is the perfect example of But he Adam showed Gates a couple guy. flashes. He showed flashes he, at the end of the year. He has, and he's had an up-and-down uh, preseason. And the question is, where is he going to be led? Uh, where is he? Where is he? Does he fit in in this roster? He's an example of not, a wide receiver who's not a West Coast guy. Um, he is a, a, a straight line runner and, uh, we're not, and right now it doesn't look like he necessarily has a place, but I, I hope I'm regretting those words. The Jets biggest, um, off season acquisition, uh, was, uh, the second best available wide receiver after your boy, Kenny Galladay was Corey Davis. Corey, Corey Davis. Davis is a, is the, now the Jets number one wide receiver. He's going to be a, a safety net for, um, safety net for, uh, Zach Wilson. He's a big body. He's a good route runner. Um, he gets to those 50, 50 balls and he makes and yards after the catcher is another one of his strengths. Um, so him in the X uh, with uh, Jameson Crowder uh, in the Y. Uh, and well, I've always liked, by the way, he, he was dangerous with Washington. It's not like Washington had good quarterback play over the years. No, I, and I agree with you. And, and then with Elijah Moore in the, in the slot, you know, that's this is a guy again who they say anything near him, he, he's catching. Um, you know, he's a great yards after a catch guy. Uh, the Jets were salivating that he was available. Um, they were considering picking him over Vera Tucker. Um, and they're the Jets brash are, are gushing over the way he carries himself. They're calling him like one of the, a veteran, not a rookie. So it seems like, you know, young guys are, are exciting for the Jets that there's optimism around the Jets. Um, having said that, they might be in, <clears throat> in the wrong division, right? It may just be one of those things. They're in the wrong division. The Bills look like they're going to be a top two seed in the, uh, in the AFC for a while. They're well coached. Josh Allen has turned into a monster. They've got a really good roster, right? You have to respect Belichick. I know last year was, was, Seems a one-off, but he's had a 20-year run of success. Now, obviously, Tom Brady's no longer there, but got to respect Belichick. And, you know, the Dolphins were a 10-win team who are up on the rise. So, a two-part question. Are you over under five and a half wins for the Jets? And, and I alluded to it before, but does for you, does the win total even matter for the Jets? Where it's like, even if you were betting the under, is it something that like, could you have yourself a successful season for with them going four and 13, five and 12? 
Well, the Jets were two and 14 last season. Uh, and so the first answer to your question is that their win total does not matter, although they have to have be, do better than last year. Um, as far as the over under of five and a half, I think that's about right. Um, I think the Jets, you know, I'm an optimist. They'll go, they'll get six wins, but you know, uh, but I could easily see it being five. I could easily be, see it being four. I could also easily see it being seven. Um, but yeah, like you said, AFC East is, is a, a stat, a really good division with really good young quarterbacks. Um, who, but a lot of these young quarterbacks in the AFC, it's the jury's still really out of them. Obviously not the bills. The AFC East is for the bills to take. If they don't right. take it, it's a, the season is a massive disappointment for the bills. You know, Josh Allen just got his big deal. He's ready to roll. And you know, probably all the, the Bills should be a, again, an AFC and a contender to win the AFC this year. Um, but the Dolphins, again, were a 10 win team, but that wasn't really with Tua leading the team. And now two is the one who's leading that team and uh, the Patriots. Yes. You know, the Belichick team, but now do they have a rookie quarterback leading their team? I think they do. Uh, it's hard to tell if who's starting him or uh, Mac Jones or Cam Newton, but again, now they're also a team that we'll have to see what happens with them. Um, so, you know, the Jets schedule otherwise is pretty favorable. They don't, they don't, they're the, the teams that they play um, have because they came from that two and 14 season um, are favorable to say the least. So I, I could see the Jets getting the over. To me, and again, you know, not to reiterate what I said before, you just want to see competence, right? You want to see growth. You want to see Zach Wilson get better, right? You want to see a disciplined team under Salah, right? You want to see, you just want to see a little cohesiveness, right? And, and then the wins will follow. I, that that's ultimately why I'm saying, and and even if the Jets won four games, and by the way, Vegas sets the number. They're they're so good at this, obviously. It, like they they're always within, you know, ninety percent, ninety eight percent of the time, they're within a game or two games of the number, which is why they're the best, and why sports betting is for you know for people who are willing to lose money and have a good time and not for, not for winners for 98% of us, but yeah, you just want to see confidence, right? That's what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, uh, yeah, I agree. 100%. And the Patriots are going to be an interesting case study, right? Because Cam Newton was horrible last year, horrible, but you know, he, you can use the COVID excuse for him. Like the Patriots spent a boatload of money in the off season. Um, so yeah, they're going to be interesting. But I mean, even if the Jets finish four and thirteen, five and twelve, like that could actually be the mark of something successful. It, it's it's got to be weird for you, like it is for me to hear seventeen games, right? It's, it's so weird. It's so weird. And, and I haven't done like you know, I, I usually do like an over unders, you know, betting thing. Like I like to do the futures, and I, I haven't really looked at the numbers that much. But it is. It's so incredibly strange. Uh, one last thing before we go, and we're not really going because we're going to get you on part two of, of the show. Uh, quick thing uh, off the Jets for a second. So, uh, but hey, I we, guess we stay on the Jets for one second. Yes, I wanted, yeah. I, I wanted to highlight two guys that I didn't get a chance to highlight and we have been talking about. And these are two guys that are under the radar that I think your listeners need to pay attention to on the Jets this year, okay? The first guy is this the sixth the six round um Inside linebacker Hamza Nasserdilian. I think that's how you fantastic name. Him. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible name. This guy's a converted safety out of FSU. 
who, you know, six round picks, they're just looking to make this team. This guy looks like he's the real deal. He had an ACL injury, which is why he dropped in the draft, but he was the leading tackler uh, at the safety position at, Flor at Florida State. And he's a physical player. He's great in coverage. He's one of those guys that's extremely versatile, a, sort of a Jamal Adams type, but has now is now he's going to be a great tackler. This guy is going to be starting most likely from day one for the Jets. And I'm excited about what this guy has to bring the you table. Like, and you like linebackers, the way the game has moved. You like linebackers that can run. You don't necessarily need the big bulky dudes. You'd rather guys who can tackle, who have speed and have cover skills. So that's pretty good for the Jets. I agree. And this other guy I wanted to mention is a guy named Bryce Huff. He's an undrafted free agent out of Memphis. He had two sacks in the Giants game. He's going to get playing time as, as an edge rusher. We've already talked about the Jets front seven. Uh, being the strength of the team, part of the reason they're a strength of the team, or one of the main reasons is, is the depth that they have at the position. So even if injury happens, um, the Jets have huge guys in the middle with Williams, Rankins, and, and Foley, and big guys at the end with Lawson, Franklin Myers, and now this Huff, and Huff, and, and this other guy, Vinny Curry. The Jets' front seven is going to be a force to reckon with. So I don't know if you remember this, but, like, the Giants won two Super Bowls, right? And the strength of their team – was the front four, specifically the defensive ends, that they would just rotate in constantly. And then they had the um, the uh, the track meet you know, unit where basically it was four defensive ends at once. I mean, it did win two Super Bowls. I, I'm not sure if you remember that, but it did happen. I, remem I do remember something about Brady losing two Super Bowls. It, it's, it's not bad. Uh, two, so on a scale of one to ten, you know, record be damned. How excited, you know, what's your level of optimism for the Jets this year? Scale of 1 to 10. I would say a scale of optimism or how excited I am to watch these games because those are two different questions. Answer both. <laughs> optimism and how excited are you to watch the games? I would say I'm optimistic. I'm about a 7.5, Excited to watch these games five maybe <laughs> i know that there's gonna be a lot of brutal games that are coming my way i know there's gonna be a lot of hiccups uh, you know i'm excited to see these flashes of what zach wilson is what this defense could bring um how watching the o-line develop uh but there's certainly going to be some tough ones this year but the ups and downs are fine you just want to see confidence as we said before uh two quick and growth yeah and growth two quick things before we go um Nick Summer League, Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, uh, and Jericho Sims. How awesome are those guys? Uh, did you see the Sims dunk last night? Where? Oh, they, my God. <laughs> I saw the highlight. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Cut, I, I, watched that, I watched the highlight, and then they cut to him at, at his pro day. Did you see that? When he hit his head, he, he hit his mouth off of the rim and, like, br like broke his nose. It was pretty incredible. Sick. Sickening. <laughs> Uh, you can't convince me that Deuce McBride isn't going to be one of the best two-way point guards in the next three years. Like, I, I'm, I know not to get too excited about Summer League, but this fucking guy, man, I, I can't. I think the difference, at least between Grimes and McBride, at, at least for me, is that which one's going to stay hot shooting with an NBA defense guarding them? And because they they're both going to be need to be guys who are three Grimes. guys. So Grimes, Grimes, He's got a nice stroke. I hope so. I mean, I hope both of them can do it, but we'll see. And second question is the Mets. Where are you at with the Mets right now? It's it's tough sledding. Are you still paying oh, attention? 
I thought we were talking about the Jets. What are we talking? What are we doing? That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We'll talk about the Jets. All right, Harris Marks, great insight on the Jets, and we are going to just take a quick break because we have a part two. Harris is staying on for a part two that he is looking forward to because he's making his debut talking about this subject. We can get into a little reality television. I think you guys know exactly where we're going with this one in just a minute. Harris, stay right there. We'll be back with part two in just a matter of moments. So I teased it before. Harris is back. Now, I talk about it all the time. For the love of the game, it's not just sports. There's another type of game out there, and that's the game of love. And there's a certain television show that is back after a year hiatus. So we had to bring on Lizzie Verstendig. We got Harris back on to talk a little Bachelor in Paradise. Ladies, gentlemen, we're running the three-man weave. How's everybody doing? Great. Happy to be back. Lizzie, welcome back, Harris. We were, you're on segment one. So first of all, I'm on record saying I was taking a hiatus. Uh, I was standing with Chris Harrison. I did not watch the past season, The Bachelorette, Katie season, even though I liked Katie. I just want to say one thing before we get into Bachelor in Paradise, which was was quite an opening episode. So Katie picked that loser guy, right? Like, are we all in agreement on this? Yeah, I mean, first of all, this is his third Bachelorette in the span of maybe a year. Um, And he was, like, in love with all of them, seemingly. Um, Because, of course. Well, yeah. To me, it was more of just the person she really wanted left. And actually, two people she wanted left. And I think she was nervous that no one was going to pick her in the end. So the second someone said that they loved her, she was like, all right, let's go. So uh, I just want to, I just want to thank, yeah. yeah, I want to thank Eliza for letting me join in on this bachelor talk. Uh, it's been something that I've been wanting to do for a while. So thank you. We are, um, bringing, we are bringing people together here on the, for the love of the game show. We've got a new network of people. It's, it, this is good. The nature is healing. But as far as Katie's concerned, Katie has is and Blake are never going to finish together or their happy ending. It's never happening. They both like sex and that's what they wanted to do. So yes, I agree with Aliza. The second that both uh, Greg and uh, Michael A or Michael A, right, left the show, she had no choice but to opt for the sex. I can't see Blake being good at sex. Like we saw him on Tasha's season try and like stare into her eyes on that one-on-one date. And it was so cringeworthy. Like I can't see him being good at it. And not, I'm, I'm not one to judge because guys don't judge other guys' performances. But if your whole thing is I like to get laid and I'm good at it and you do that, like you can't be good at it. I'm sorry. Well, no, but I don't think that's fair. I think him and Tisha had no chemistry whatsoever. And I think if you put anyone in that scenario with someone they have no chemistry with, it's going to be awkward. And those dates are always awkward. I think they definitely seemed him and Katie like they had good sexual chemistry and it pretty much just seems like they're both horn dogs. Like, I don't know that we say he's like good at sex. They just, well, he's good enough that they had one overnight and they won fantasy suite. And she's like, now nah, I'm good on Justin. We'll just do this. Yeah. But we, he didn't like Justin. Like the fact that he made it to final two was a joke. He even admitted that he knew he was default because the other two guys left. Agreed, but she, Katie was playing the Bachelorette game, and part of playing the Bachelorette game would have been just to have a fantasy suite with Justin, even if Correct. they didn't you actually. Test, you got to test the water. Yeah, but, but she was too stressed at that point that she was that everyone was going to leave. She didn't want to take a chance. 
Blake wasn't going anywhere. He would have just stayed around. But I, I agree with you that Greg and Michael A screwed her and whatever. Blake good, seems good like for- a lap dog. Katie, I expected more from Katie, but I didn't watch, so I can't comment too much. All right, that's over. Bachelor in Paradise, which is the best of the trio, is back after a year hiatus. So before we start about the actual what went down last night, the level of excitement for this season, Harris, we'll start with you. The level of excitement for season one to 10, where were you at? Uh, I'm out of 10. There are so many people that are in this pool of people because they skipped last year that uh, I don't remember a lot of them, but they need their moment, their moment back in the sunshine. So I think it's going to be crazy. I'm excited. Lizzie, before the, um, you know, before last night, how excited were you from one to 10 in terms of this season being back? I mean, a 20, because because we missed a whole year, there are so many seasons of thirsty people that have not been able to like express themselves the way they want to. And I love the fact that they're just letting so many people on. Like I feel like in the past, they've been more selective, but because there are so many people to work with, they're just, I mean, there were like 20 people on last night. It was amazing. Cast was bigger by at least 50% as a normal year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into the thirst level in a second, but obviously it's hot. It's hot in Mexico. It's hot in Mexico. They're thirsty. (laughs) I don't, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. So obviously the big news still that lingers over the franchise is Chris Harrison's no longer there. Right. How do we feel about David Spade and little John filling in? I, okay. So some, I actually heard this comment and I agree with it. I appreciated David Spade. I thought he was really funny and I liked, I liked that he like knew who the people were and was using like, you know, was being funny. wasn't being like serious, like Chris Harrison is, but I think the better call would be to have Wells as the quote unquote host and then have these like David Spade, these guest people be like the bartenders. Yeah. I, Harris, what did you think about that? No, I, I agree. I think David Spade was funny. He was cracking jokes. He was scared around the women. Um, and uh, but you know, I, I Wells is is the de facto host. Maybe they were afraid because of what happened last season with Tasha and uh, and uh, Caitlin that it wasn't going to work out by just having a contestant fill in as a host. They wanted to go with more um, you know seasoned people at that. But I don't know. Well, David Spade is a legendary horn dog in his own mind who does well, you know, with the ladies. So if you had to bet over under, I said it at three and a half, but I'm going to have to come down. Two and a half chicks that David Spade takes down in terms of the contestants. What are we feeling here? There's no way we're going to find out. But if you had to bet over and under two and a half, what would you bet? Uh, I, I think you're giving him a little more credit. There are a lot of really hot men on the beach. I think him and Kelsey had some chemistry during their uh, champagne situation. Well, he, she was going to be one of the two and a half if you were yeah. going to bet the over. Like, yeah, the but different, I don't know if you more than that. The difference is, though, that David Spade has like a hotel suite room situation where they're all in this like hot bunk bed situation. So uh, two of them or maybe three of them may just be like, hey, I'd like to go there for the night. I would go under the um, the laugh out loud moment, though. And we'll get to the cast, but was when Tammy couldn't remember David Spade's name and confused him with Dave Chappelle. 
that was so cringeworthy that Tammy should have been sent home because besides for the fact that, you know, one's black and one's white, but like <laughs> Dave Chappelle is super famous and David Spade is super famous. Like, what are we doing here? She should have been sent packing. I bet more. Th- I bet more than half of them have no idea who David Spade is. I, I would bet that these, really? these are. David yeah, Spade these are, is so famous. These are millennials. These these people are these people. What would they have seen David Spade in? What? No, anything. They might call it a classic that we would call like something we grew up on, but I don't know. I would imagine they've seen some stuff he's in. He's still like all around embarrassing i it, it was embarrassing i was like i was so mad about it i was irrationally angry about it but anyway so i i i like the hosting thing and and all things lil john i'm in lil john can do anything he wants i'm in all right more little john the better all right that that's all i care about give me some little john he just he just brings energy i love that guy what's the theory why david spade's not not staying it was too expensive for him or that because i know like lance bass is coming in yeah, like uh they're having yeah you just they were just like oh i only want david spade's like i'll come for a week like how, what do you guys think well why is this what's happening i mean i think that they don't really know how like bachelor nation or the audience is gonna react to any one of these hosts so i think they're kind of testing it out and seeing and like testing out different demographics like David Spade you're right a lot of you know 19 21 year olds who are watching might not know or maybe if they know who he is don't really care who he is so I think they're just kind of trying to try different things out and see how everyone reacts yeah I I think they're just they're still there even though he took the settlement there's still the Chris Harrison malaise over the franchise I I think that's obvious and and how could there not be, right? He's been there forever. He's been an institution. So now it's just like fresh faces, fun faces. We're going to do something a little different and then we're going to figure it out. Then we're going to figure it out. But uh, yeah, it, it's Lil John. I'm a fan of Lil John. I thought David Spade held up fine. Uh, I, I, I don't think that that's the long-term solution. But all right, but enough about the hosts. They're, they're secondary. The casting. The first crop of 23 people who are there. Lizzie, we're going to start with you. How do you think they did in terms of picking the initial cast and who kind of stood out to you? Okay, so I have a few thoughts. So firstly, I think they did as a general a good job, like a lot of heavy hitters. Um, I do think there were like one or two people, I had no idea who they were. And I am, as we know, an avid fan who watches every season. I literally- That is why you're the guest on this show. That's exactly. Exactly I had why. no idea who they were. And even when they said what season they were on, I still had no idea who they were. Um, and those are just like, we have so many people to work with for this season. I don't feel why it's necessary to bring those people on, but whatever, who knows? Maybe there'll be some sleepers that we don't know. Um, I think- it is a little bit weird that someone like grocery store Joe, Natasha, and as we see in the preview, Becca will be on because they're all on like Bachelor, like official podcasts, yeah. which I think is just a little bit weird. It's kind of mixing business with pleasure. So I don't know how I feel. Yeah, about but that. they do that a little bit. They do that. I mean, 
not to, you know, one of us was was reached out to be casted on the show and <laughs> and you know talks about a podcast. Talks no, but a podcast you're not. About but but your podcast is not Bachelor like ABC Correct. sanctioned, so it's a little Correct. bit different. But I mean, I definitely shout out to Michelle by the way. I hope she's doing well. <laughs> but I definitely love the crew uh, that they brought on. I mean, I'm assuming we'll go through in more depth each person, but um, I would have to say my favorite person on the beach right now is Brendan. He had an interesting first scene that we're going to get to in a second. Um, Harris, I want to hold off on grocery store Joe because he's going to get his own segment. So what were your initial thoughts on the uh, the first grouping of the 23? Uh, and if I told you this, that the group of guys overall, and Elisa, after Harris's, then I want your, your opinion on this too, that the group of guys as a collective are better looking right now than the group of girls. What would you say, Harris? To that question? I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. You don't think that's necessarily true? No, I don't think so. I think, I think they had so many people to, to cast that uh, it, it's everyone has a different taste. I, as far as better looking, I think that they're just a wide swath of, of different ethnicities and the ages are all the same, except for the two random people that they like to call old, even grocery store Joe, 35 and uh, Kenny, 40, but everyone else is the same age. Um, but uh, by the way, Aliza, were the two people that you had no idea who they were? Was that Marissa and Deandra? Yep. Got them. I had no idea who those two people were either. So that's... The ESP in this, in this Zoom <laughs> is wonderful. It's amazing. Um, I, I, I think they were like night one knockouts on whoever season they were on. And yeah, I, I'm not sure. Not... Okay, this is going to sound really like anti-feminist but whatever they're not like grocery store joe okay he did have a following so it's different but he's like good looking really sweet like those girls aren't particularly special and it doesn't seem like their personalities are particularly special that those would be the night one girls you bring on i think that they probably can because they casted so many people know that they're gonna have a lot of turnaround and they were just expecting some people just to leave so, so be my guess. Harris, so you mentioned that. So you guys mentioned those two plus Victoria, right? Which brings back down the looks factor like tenfold. Um, that's why I said overall, I think the guys were a better looking crop of guys. In defense of Victoria, I do think that she really pulled herself together and looks a lot better than she did on her last season. Well, she well, had that- a she, she gets yeah. her own special mention. So, but, so Harris, just go back to the original question in terms of the actual group of, of crew. Do, do we like the group? Uh, you know, I know we do the scale of one to 10. Are we putting it at a nine? Cause I, I think overall they did a good job. I think they did. I think they did a great job. Uh, I think, you know, they brought in, especially like the, the most, I'd say controversial people from the most recent season from Katie's season. So I think obviously that was done intentionally. I think, you know, Carl, right? I, Carl, Carl yeah. seems to be like a huge dickhead, right? Is that, that the thing? <laughs> yeah, I didn't Carl, watch. Yeah. And then the previews are saying that Thomas is coming, and um, you know, I guess Aaron, I guess, would be somewhat controversial, but. So my my thing was, I I think they did a good job, and to me, like you know, when when Abigail was the first one out, I was like, yes. Abigail. We love Abigail. And then the cherry on top was 
Debbie, who apparently is into dudes now. So she comes in late. She's wonderful. We love Debbie. She's attractive. She's funny. She's going to stir shit up. I mean, she's a five-tool player in Paradise because she may hook up with a chick. Like, we don't know. Like, what's her deal? Can we talk about Abigail for a second? Because Yes, we can. <laughs> Abigail Sorry. comes out. They, they bring her back as the... Uh, the, you know, the, the, the first person. So they want you to get to remember her. She's the one who has uh, a hearing uh, deficiency, right? I think she's legally deaf. I think that's what her deal is. Yes. And they want you to, and she had this great story on, um, on her season about how she over, overcame this. On, I think it was Matt's season, right? How she, she got overcame the first impression it. rose. She got the over, first impression rose. And then the first thing that happens is the guy that she, that's into her, Noah, goes, yeah, I'm a nurse and I work with deaf people. What was that? That was weird. <laughs> I think I think it came off. It could come off wrong the way he said it. I think the sentiment was very sweet. I think I agree with you that when he said it, I was like, this is going to sound off-putting to a lot of people. But what I think he meant was just he appreciates how special she is and how like strong and brave she is. I agree with that because I'm generally pro Noah. I was pro Noah on his season of The Bachelorette. I think he's a good dude. I think he's misunderstood. I like the fact that he goes for it. I, I'm pro Noah. The thing about Abigail that was weird, though, was on their one-on-one -on -one date, how she was basically like, you know, eight months to friend zone a dude before you can call him like a boyfriend. Like, I ain't about that shit. I don't know any guy who's about that shit. And kudos to Noah for going in for the kill shot early on. Even before that awkward date, like when, as they were walking out, uh, they, I think they, he, they had did a, an ITM moment with him and he's like, Abigail, she's wife material. She's a girl I can get engaged to. I'm like, you don't even know her, dude. Like, what are you talking about? This is why I love Bachelor in Paradise. But, they do but crazy it's all <laughs> like that. It's all like that because you're in the fishbowl and like that's how you have to feel. It's kind of like being in like yeshiva in Israel. Like you, sometimes you just don't know what else is going on out there. He also had the killer line of, of the – I won the killer lines of the episodes where he goes – I want to smash all night long yeah. these pinatas. It's like, oh, all right. Of course. Well played, because, Noah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, ABC is playing up the horniness tenfold. They played it up on that season of The Bachelor. I don't know if they played it up on the se on Katie's season of The Bachelorette, but like, they're just embracing the horny, and it's it's fine because we we appreciate that. Well, Alisa, you could answer that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is what they do. I think it's just like their paradise specifically is just known for that. It's just everyone hooking up. I mean, they have what, six couples or six people hooking up the first night? Like, even for paradise, that's a lot. I think they just like everyone knows that what, that's what this is about. And I appreciate that ABC is like leaning into it and not trying to pretend that it's not. By the way, for the no. listeners, we're defining hooking up now as making out, not like going the distance, all right? Because I know there's there's a split on, on what hooking up means, but right now, it's just make out session. Yeah, this is, this is ABC. It's not MTV. So yeah, this is all making out. Um, but I will say, and um, Aaron, you're not really going to know this because you didn't watch the, show, the last season, but there is someone on Paradise who was on... KB season that actually really reminds me of you a lot every time I see him on the screen. Harris, is there anyone that's coming to mind? Are you you're gonna say Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You happen to also have the same name. 
but should it's I be flattered by this? You know I'm gonna look this guy up and I'm gonna I'm gonna text the two of he you. He was on last night. He was on yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. All right. I mean, he's a handsome dude. I'll take that. Yeah, he yeah. made out with Tammy. Yeah, yeah, he made out with Tammy. Good for him. I'm not, I'm not into Tammy. It's not, it's not my look, but I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. So Lizzie, um, anybody else to you that stood out night one um, um, in terms of, in terms of like just being there, presence. I mean, we're going to get to, we're going to get to Kenny's entrance. So yeah. Well, I have to say, I have to give a shout out to Tejuan. I'm pronouncing her name correctly for two reasons. Number one, I appreciate like how much she talks about how she's sweating. Cause that would be me if I was there. So I really yes. appreciate that. Um, I also just think the whole storyline with her and Trey and how like she dated his uncle is one of the funniest things. Okay. All right. I, I put that <laughs> lower down on the outline. Let, let's just do that right now. All right. If you're Trey, how can you in good conscience start fooling around with this girl well, if you know they, that your uncle fooled around with her? She said they went on one date and a big kiss. She didn't say like other stuff happened, but he did say like, it's kind of, I mean, like he is my blood relative. She, Alex, she's a, go, me up on this. You, if you're Trey, you can't do this. I don't think so. I think that he knew this before he came in. His yeah. uncle tells him that he hooked up with a girl on The Bachelorette. He's on The Bachelor. Uh, he's on The Bachelorette. I mean, she's on The Bachelor. He knew it was a good chance. He probably went in because that was an easy in for him. I don't know. Yeah, I, had no pro- like- I, I had no problem with it. I think ABC set him up to make it look terrible. But that's Bachelor in Paradise. That's so, fine. Okay. But but if this lasts an extra week or two weeks, like that's a, like, a no-fly zone. No, but I think, I think, you know, good on him for being self-aware. Like, let's be real. Was there really any other girl that was going to be into him? I mean, he seems like a great guy, but I just think compared to everyone else there, I think he saw an opportunity. They made a connection and like, to you know, that's the whole around, right? Because they had the power of the roses, right? right. So and the whole point of the show is like, you want to, you need to survival be survival of the fittest. Right. And if we like if history repeats itself which it usually does most people that start off early on together are the ones that make it to the end yeah this is a classic example i could see coming of these two just staying with each other just so they can stay in paradise yeah like a friend rose or whatever yeah and and not not very exciting but that's okay they want to hang out yeah i mean on a beach in mexico not the worst thing in the world i but Tenjun doesn't want to stay around because she's sweating constantly. She's going to dehydrate. So she's you, you staying said, around for purpose, no? At least their date was inside or when they were making out. It wasn't outside on that, like, sex couch or whatever that is. Yeah, well, which, which Kenny was posted <laughs> bed, up yeah, on that, that. a lot. We'll get to him in a second. But the other person who stood out to me was, well, and this is a good segment into Kenny, but Marie or Mari? Mari. Mari. Yeah. She is a five tool weapon out there. Just, well, no, but just a specimen was, for paradise. I think she, I'm pretty sure she was in my top five from night one on that season. I thought she was she the was not, on mine too. I could not believe that she got sent home so early. Like she's so beautiful and she seems like sweet. So I'm happy that like people are appreciating her this time. And Katie basically punched her in the face with the dildo <laughs> night one. So that was cool. Uh, it was a shoulder. 
It was yeah. just, I, I, I know it was a shoulder. I know it was a shoulder. But, like, I mean, you saw Matt's reaction when she walked past him. He's just, like, he, like, couldn't control himself. And David Spade couldn't really control himself either. Yeah. Um, you know, she made it running. If you're betting that over two and a half, like, that, nah, there's a possibility. No, he there. couldn't get her, please. No way. And he, she also made clear to mention in the episode that her butt is real. So yeah. don't <laughs> – we know this now. As Terry Hatcher said on Seinfeld years ago, it's real and it's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Absolutely spectacular. So that brings us into Kenny, right? Kenny's the 40-year-old dude. He was into Marie. I, Mari, I understand why. Kenny's entrance, guy's jacked out of his mind, comes in stark-ass naked, saying that he's got nothing to hide. He's not naked, please. You don't think he's naked? Come on, I I'm so disappointed that you didn't like really thought that he was. But they, but one of the girls alluded to the fact that that like he, he was, was probably wearing a speedo or something that was really tight, and you can see everything. He was not naked. Harris, what say you? I agree with Elisa. He was not naked. He was wearing a speedo or a banana hammock or whatever the heck he was wearing. But it is a classic Bachelor in Paradise trope to make fun of him for being naked, and it was great. It's a gimmick. There are all these gimmicks. Like, I will say, though, he looks real good for a 40-year-old. Yeah, uh, he's jacked. Yeah, he's absolutely <laughs> shredded. So I maybe I'm rusty because I didn't watch last season and I took a year off, right? So I'm, I'm shaking off the rust a little bit. But, like, is that a try-hard move or is that just a power move? What, what do we think about The that? producers told him to do it, and he's like, yeah, why not? I, I have a hot body. Why not be the guy that's naked? I'm pretty sure he's a former Chippendale dancer too, if I have that right. So, so. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> so we're just we're not. You won't even rate it as a power move or a try hard move. No. It's just it is what it is. It is what all it these, is. I, all I these guys are jacked. Yeah, I do think you can Google um, naked pictures of Kenny if you want. Not from mm-hmm. experience. I did hear that somewhere. Um, oh, stop it! It's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, you know, I would admit it if I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like, I wouldn't, like he would be the person that would come on naked, but there's no way he, again, it's ABC. He's not really walking around naked. Like that would be a lawsuit. I All think Elise right, so is right about that first. Also, what she was saying is that it was a known thing that Kenny had posed naked. And I think that was a direct call out to the, the, the diehard Bachelor fans who know that Kenny exists naked. So. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to take the L on this one because clearly I'm shaking off a little rust. And and, and that's fine. You know what? Some, you got to put your hand up when, when you, you clearly miss something. All right. So Grocery Joe, my question to the both of you is, is Grocery Dro- Joe the greatest slow playing coxman of all time or is he the biggest loser of all time the former so you think it's it's the self-deprecating act that he has perfected over the years that has gotten him more poon than like you could even imagine i don't think i'm not sure I don't think it's as premeditated as you're making it seem. Like, I don't think he's doing it to, like, like as a play. But I think he knows just, like, a lot of people know this. Like, he has, like, that 
boy next door, like a little bit awkward charm that works on a lot of people. Like, and I think he's like all of us. Like when he was saying like, why was I so awkward? Like I couldn't even control what I was saying. Like, I think he knows that he can be really sweet and charming. I don't think it's like as premeditated that it's like, let me try to act awkward to get the girl. I think he just knows that it works. I also think he got a super bad edit tonight with like him just wandering in the ocean. So, that was probably like five minutes of him just wandering and they just kept going back and people, forth and back and forth. Yeah, obviously, I mean, I don't do spoilers, so I have no idea what happens on the season, but people- I don't do spoilers either. Harris, do you do spoilers? You can't do spoilers. Okay, I don't do spoilers. So Beautiful. All right, we're well, in it to win it. People were saying that they thought the way that they edited him night one was potential for it to be The Bachelor. What? Which could which would make sense. Like that tracks. Like he just he's awkward and he just wants love and he doesn't want to be with all these people. And he knew that he could he has found love before on the show and that's all he wants. You know what? Yes, but I do believe, I do believe that. I think you're give, you're not giving him enough credit for how much he's playing it up. Like, I do think this is a little bit more premeditated. And maybe it's because I know a guy who's like this and that it worked for him in the past. I just I, – I, there's something about it that's just like – I, I think I, I think it's a shtick and I think he knows it, but he's perfected it so much over the years that it's like him. Could be, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I, I I can't you can't be that good at it, right? Without like premeditating it a little bit. I mean, I will I will say it's pretty impressive that like Serena P was the girl off the bat that everyone wanted and he very quickly got her. I, I don't understand that. I don't know how. Well, that's, okay, that was next that. on the list. The ESP is unbelievable in this room right now. <laughs> What's that about? What about Serena P makes her the hotness? Like, I don't get it. Oh, really? No, oh, I think what? so beautiful and she's so cute and little and she has like spunk. I think Serena P is the hottest girl on this beach right now. I, really? I don't, I don't, yeah. Go ahead. Tell me who's better looking. Yeah. Mari? Who, who else? Mari. Demi. Um, I mean, she wasn't there night one. She was there after, you know, but uh, Demi. I, I have to say. I, I would say, I would say, you know, champagne girl, Kelsey. Not my speed. I actually think. Victoria P? No, the blind from Nick's from uh, Peter's season who was telling her own truth, which means she was basically lying, but she's a weapon. Wait, who? Kelsey? Victoria no. P. Oh, Victoria P. And I she, think Na Natasha is so beautiful and she looked amazing. Yeah, Natasha, Natasha got a good edit. And also, she has like a great personality. Natasha, yeah. extra horny last night. Extra horny. I mean, but to go to go back to the insider baseball, we all know that Natasha is friends with the producers. So but she's it. also no, she's on one of the podcasts. Yeah. Now. yeah right. Yeah. Where she has where she has producers on her podcast. Yeah, but she also <laughs> she actually came on the show initially because she knew one of the producers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but, 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 so you all think I'm crazy that like, I don't see it with Serena. I, I just don't see did you, what, did you like, not so think, much so that the whole commotion over her is it's crazy. Did you not think that on that season? Were you not into her? I wasn't into her on that season. Abigail, another one who I think is better looking yeah. than Serena. No. Anyway, it's, and that's why this, that's why the cast is so diverse. It's a different taste for is, everyone. Harris, <laughs> is this the Jewish guy in you who's got like the secret Asian thing going on? Is that, is that what this is? Are, are you playing into a stereotype? Are we talking about the same person? Yes, yeah, Serena P. <laughs> you're talking about Serena C. Serena P is not Asian. Uh. <laughs> Did I just... No, but... but, she, but the Canadian. Some, she's some type of nationality, though. She's not like your all-American girl-looking. I think and her dad think she's black. is black. And her mom is white, or vice versa. That's, that's, a, I, I, yeah. that's a tough look. I'm shaking off some rust. This is this is slightly <laughs> embarrassing. Ay, ay, ay. I don't think All even right. Serena C I, got I, a. I don't even think she got a tagline underneath her. I I, I was wondering no, I who that she was. Even, she was she even did she even? Oh yeah, she came in for like a second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is grotesque. Absolutely grotesque. I'm I'm appalled at my own performance. I give myself a four point eight. Um, moving on along because we're, we're, you know, we're, we're running a little long. Um, Victoria. What do we think about Victoria? It's like too much with the gimmicks. Okay. So you're not the queen. Now you're the goddess. Like if you want to come on, just be a new person. Don't be like another gimmick. It's just silly. Like no one, it, like none of the guys are into it. They might think it's funny, but they're not going to want to date her. She had a glow up. She has a different face. She has different hair. Her body's lost better. Wait, I noticed that. She lost better. And I'm pretty sure that I would, would not be surprised if she doesn't make it out of this first uh, Rose situation. I was going to, so that was my next question. How long is this shtick going to last? Because I, I can't do the shtick anymore. Maybe Unless the producer do it. Maybe she could be the second one for David Spade, though. He was really into saying how she <laughs> looks so good. That's a good one. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I don't get the appeal. I know they had to bring her on because she's a nutcase. I get it. But like, she can't succeed in this setting. She just can't. Well, what is it? Three girls have to go home. Yeah. Right. right. So Three girls got to go home. She might be one of them. I don't know that I really saw her in any of the previews. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure she's going to be out. But the maybe three... unless the producers keep her for some reason. Yeah. I don't get it. All right, so last thing, right? Harris, we're going to start with you. Pick three guys and three girls who are going to be in the mix late. And it's a two-part question. Do any of the first couples of the first night, do they last? What say you? So it's someone we haven't. They don't end up together. They don't have to, like, get engaged and get married. But, like, do they make it through the, um, the show together? You know, I, I think a little, pro little bit of problem with this question is that I, I know at least I watched the previews just to catch what was going to happen. And a lot of these couples you see getting into fake fights with previews are, are not viable for the show at all. But uh, it's certainly something that was obvious. Someone we haven't talked about yet who was uh, a killer on his, on, uh, his season and um, is certainly should have been the, one of the hottest commodities on the beach is Ivan. And Ivan has this thing that he started with Jasenia. I'm surprised that Serena P didn't go for Ivan. That would have been the obvious choice. Um, 
I think he's got long lasting potential, but again, there was something in the previews that, uh, well, we got to see what, what's up with on, that. He was on my list too. He was on my I, list too. Yeah. I think Noah Abigail has potential to last for a long time. Like I, I said earlier that I thought Trey uh, and um, Tajwan may just stay together. So those would be the three that I thought would make it last. And, and, and Joe and Serena P is just a straight, uh, whatever. That's a, uh, let's, get this Kendall thing already and let's see what happens. Lizzie, what say you? So I don't want to say the couples because I feel like I don't have enough of a grasp on it yet. It's just way too early and there are way too many people that are going to be coming on. But I think people that I think will be there for a very long time, I think Brendan. He was was my third guy. You you mentioned my three already. Brendan, Ivan, and Noah. I think think Kenny will actually, I think he's going to make it far because I think he's going to be in our relationship. Um, and I think Noah will also, because I do think him and Abigail could make it far. Um, I think girls-wise, Serena P will definitely be there for a long time. Abigail will be there for a long time. And I think Demi will, because it's Demi, you know. But I do think it's really cruel that they're bringing Kendall back. But What about Connor? What about Connor and your girl, Marissa? Oh, yeah. But <laughs> we'll be done in about a week and a half. So my three girls were Demi... Abigail and Mari. Mari is going to be around. No one's sending Mari home, right? Because anybody who gets a sniff of Mari to talk to him is going to be giving her the rose. Mari's going to be around. Demi, I, I know we saw scenes from next week. There's going to be some drama, but I think Demi's going to be around. She's a chameleon. She's fantastic. And and Abigail. Abigail's a sweetheart. Yeah, I think those are good. But I agree with I agree with you on Ivan. I agree with you on Ivan and Brendan, who had the ridiculous shower scene where he was like, "I'm I was so broken on my season, I didn't realize it, but now I'm in a better place." Like that was so over the top, even for ABC. That I was just like, "Oh, come on now, let's just move this on along here now." All right. Come on. Ivan also has the potential for like. Uh, at least like you said the grocery store Joe edit to yeah. make the to get into the potential of being the, the next bachelor mm-hmm. I was pro Ivan Ivan was a little anti Chris Harrison so I was mad at Ivan but I'm willing to give Ivan a second chance all right zoom is actually going to kick us off guys this was wonderful awesome awesome stuff we're going to have to do it throughout the season it's just going to have to be um, yeah. thank you guys so much for your time and um, yeah Bachelor in Paradise is back, and we love it. That is, it's fantastic. Thanks again to my guests, Harris Marks, for talking a little Jets, and then for Lizzie Verstenden coming on, and Harris staying on, to have an awesome conversation, deep dive about Bachelor in Paradise. A packed episode, great stuff all around. That's episode 121, for the love of the game. Take us out, young jock.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.